Last time on Licensed to Parent, we heard the incredible story of a prodigal daughter. Even though I can honestly say there was not a day that I didn't know or hear that my parents were crazy about me and that there was a God that was crazy about me, for me what it really was is that God just felt incredibly abstract and I wasn't able at the time to figure out the relationship piece. This was like, well, why would I follow this if it doesn't actually impact my life? Today, we'll continue our conversation with Carrie Trent Stageberg and her father, Dr. John Trent. Hi, I'm Michelle Hill, and I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And Trace, you know, last week we had such a great conversation with the Trents. I was so encouraged by seeing how mightily God works in our lives and so excited to continue this conversation today and and really go a little deeper so that we can encourage parents who are in the trenches, in the battle, so to speak, with their kids. Absolutely. And uh, Carrie and John, thank you for, for coming back and uh, following up with with some uh, some info I think that the parents still yet need to hear. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless you guys both for coming back with us. Hey, we're yeah, honored. We're Thank excited. you. And I, I wanted, you know, in light of everything we discussed last time, I, I, Carrie, I wanted to ask you how long would you say you were living in rebellion uh, toward the blessing that you had at home, uh, your upbringing, uh, you know, bef- before actually seeing the light? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the the relationship that I was in that was really abusive, it spanned about five years. Um, but it really probably mm. started even a little bit before that, just maybe in some less obvious or less, you yeah. know, visibly destructive ways. So, I mean, probably, you know, seven, eight years. It, it, was, a, it was definitely a chunk of time, but it was really those five that were probably the most intense and pronounced, especially for our family. Well, that had to be tough for you, John. It had to be tough for you and your wife. Um, but what about the parents, John, uh, who go maybe 20 years have passed since mm. you know Junior left home? There's still no light at the end of that tunnel. Um, what do you have to say to those parents? Well, you know, a, a good friend, and maybe you've had him on the program, but Chuck Swindoll is, is uh, such a wonderful guy, and he's had challenges just like everybody else. And... Um, but I remember Chuck telling me once, "You're about as happy as your saddest kid." <laughs> and I don't, I, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if he came up with that, but he, the first time I heard it was from him. And and boy, that's the deal. It's just there's that hook of everything's going great, and then you watch a TV show, and it's this reconciliation that hasn't happened. Uh, on the screen, and and I guess one of the things that I would say to parents is. You cannot outlogic emotions, and what I mean by that is, is you you can't. Um, let's say you're watching, you're you're at a movie theater, okay, and the lights are going down, and they're starting to play the previews, and here comes this guy on your aisle, and he walks by, and he steps on your foot accidentally, but he's got you know he's holding popcorn and a couple of cokes, and 
but accidentally steps on your foot. Now, what what's the first thing when somebody steps on your total stranger steps on your foot? What's the first thing that ha- that for most people, if you're honest? Ouch! You know what are you what are you doing? You know, and and but now the person's being very. Uh, you know, with the holding this stuff is, oh, I'm so sorry. And can I go get you some popcorn? And they're very apologetic. And then you kind of calm down. It's, oh, no, it's not a big deal. But what I'm getting at is, is what came first. And I think what a lot of parents do is they think, well, Lord, you know, you're enough. I'm not going to be upset. The next time I hear something negative or see something that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm just not going to react. And then boom, you're right back there. And so that's what I mean is I, I think we need to be able to give ourselves enough grace to realize this is a really tough area and really hard. And we may have to a uh, hundred times say, Lord, you know, I need you and mm. that hurts and just be honest. But but just, you know, there isn't like a, a knowledge belt that you can all of a sudden put on and it'll never block those negative emotions. Now, John, mm-hmm. during this time, where did you go in the Bible to find encouragement and strength? Wow. Well, you know, the interesting thing, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I do think one of the things that helped me tremendously was uh, I was not uh, the, the most, you know, perfect kid, to say the least. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I was kicked out of grade school. I I got my twin brother to steal the chocolate milk machine. We, my mom had given up, single parent <laughs> mom. My, my she had given up and put us in a parochial school, thinking that would help me, not Jeff. Jeff is always, uh, you know, a great scholar and is today. And you know, just but um, we ended up stealing the chocolate milk machine at this small Christian school, ro- rolling it off campus, drinking all the chocolate milk and throwing away all the white stuff and. And then the next day, you know, I realized, wait, there's no milk machine. So we, we <laughs> rolled it back and, uh, and you know, oh, we found it. Tried to, tried to say we had found it, <laughs> which they, they didn't buy. I think it was probably the milk breath or something, you know. Um, yeah. But that Mustache. was, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I do think um, that when I came to know Christ, the night I came to know Christ, I was so broken it was in the 60s. If you remember the 60s, you weren't there. Or at least I wasn't there for most of the 60s. Uh, I was becoming my dad, and I didn't even know him in terms of just drinking myself blind and just a pathetic mess and didn't know Christ. And then our young life leader tricked me into going to a Billy Graham movie. And I'd never heard of Billy Graham. And I the movie was, I, I shouldn't say it. I mean, don't write me emails or letters because I've met Dr. Graham. I had the great privilege of meeting him several times and, and he's a wonderful person, but it was the worst movie I'd ever seen. But at the end, somebody comes up and gives an invitation and I'll never forget what he said. The guy goes, and I didn't know who it was. You know, they just have a guy stand up after the movie and he said, do you want to change the pictures of your life story? And I walked down and, and there were six of us from the football team that he had taken five out of the six of us walked down the aisle and gave our lives to Christ that night and are still going on with Christ. Well, one's in heaven. He's doing great, better than the rest of us, but the other four are doing good. So we all walked down, and he hands uh, Doug Barham, who was our young life leader. He had gone through the training thing, so he was down there and handed me a Bible. 
and I'll try to make this really quick. I'm sorry, it's a long story, but anyway, long story short is he he goes, uh, okay, John. Each one of us had a different verse, and he hands me this uh, one of those little Gideon kind of Bibles, and it's got a, mm -hmm. a page uh, turned down, and he says, "This is where I want you to go tonight, and I want you to read this a hundred times." And it was Hebrews thirteen five. For he himself have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And um, so I go home and I, I think he's serious. Okay, now he was being metaphorical. Go home and read it a bunch. I thought he meant go home and read it a hundred times. So I'm going, for he himself has said one. I was doing those tally marks, one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> I get to about 60 and I'm weeping. And that, to my knowledge, was the first time I had ever really, really just broken under that knowledge that, oh my gosh, you know, the Lord is never as messed up as I've made things, as messed up as I was. Um, you know, Jeff, my twin brother, after getting kicked out of grade school, you know, just hung with the smart kids. You know, I ended up going to junior college on probation, TCU on probation, Dallas Seminary on probation. So, you know, my life began to change as I came to know Christ. But I've always hung on to that verse, Hebrews 13, 5, that, man, you know, he's not going to bail out on us even when times are tough or even if it's been 20 years. That, that's, that's all. It's a, it's a testimony to the power of God's word. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I always thought Billy Graham was a little dry, too. But, you know, the guy always spoke uh, the gospel yep. and got wonderful results. And, you, you know, Paul talks about the power being in you know, Jesus Christ himself, the, the gospel. Um, so back to the 20 years, uh, you got a kid who has been 20 years and he just refuses to talk to you. You're, you're doing your best to make contact with him. Uh, you go through your, your, your other siblings, uh, his other siblings, and uh, the message is, I just don't want to talk to him. Um, what kind of hope can you give parents that prayer actually works during these times? Well, Carrie, do you want to jump in there? I've been talking so much. What do you well, think? Sure. What would you I say? mean, I, I think we can probably both answer this and have maybe a slightly different perspective on it. Um, you know, I think one thing I always say is that if God reached me, there's no one he can't reach. Um, mm. And even if your voice or your words are not what they need to hear right now, God is never going to stop pursuing them. Mm. And he's never going to stop bringing people into their paths that are going to speak that truth whether they're ready to hear it or not. I, I mean, I can think of a bazillion times um, where somebody saw what was going on and said something or did something or offered a piece of truth, and all of those added up to the moment when I was finally ready to come home. And I think the other side of it is, too, is unfortunately we don't get to choose somebody else's bottom. You know, and, and typically bottom looks, way worse than we would have ever imagined right. that it would be. But it's really in those moments that God can grab people's hearts. Exactly. So I think even praying, like, let them hit bottom. <laughs> let them really hit that point so that they're ready uh, to turn around. And Lord, please keep putting those people in their path. That's one thing that I can't get the parents here at, at, at Shepherd's Hill. I, I can't get parents to understand that you, your bottom isn't their bottom. And yeah. you, you may have to let them uh, go through something that is painful to go through, but it, for as parent loving parents, it's even more painful sometimes to, to watch it. Did someone come to you beside your father and your mother 
that that maybe they were praying. I, I mean, I, I'd be praying that, that God would send someone they will listen to. Did that ever happen with you? Or John, did you pray that someone else would come by and, and convince Carrie? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I had multiple people step in in multiple different situations. Um, typically not the same person, but I remember there were three different times when someone offered me a key, like a literal key to get out mm-hmm. and stay in a safe place. And I finally took the third one. You know, that's just one example of people that saw what was going on and decided, you know what, I need to do something. All of a sudden, Mom and Dan are looking a lot smarter. At that yeah, point. absolutely. <laughs> I get it. Well, we're talking with Dr. John Trent and his daughter, Carrie Trent Stageberg. They are the leaders of the ministry Strong Families. It's time for a break, but we'll be back with more Licensed to Parent after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. If you'd like to learn more about Shepherd's Hill, Go to LicensedToParent.org. We're talking today with John Trent and his daughter, Carrie Trent Stageberg. And John, just before the break, we were talking about prayer. And I'm curious, what were your prayers for Carrie during this time? Well, uh, you know, obviously, you know, a big one was safety because they were moving around so much. And and, uh, you just got the idea that this was things weren't going well. I didn't know about all the uh, abuse things, but in your mind, and that's some of the tough part is when there's absence of words and absence of what's going on, you can really uh, begin to just kind of 
and there's so much on TV, you know, that's just so, so, so yeah. So I, I think, you know, big part of it was safety. A big part of it was, uh, just what we talked about a little bit ago, what Carrie did that, that there would be people that would Mm -hmm. come into her life. You know, I hung on to CS Lewis talks about how, uh, in the four loves, how, you know, you're never safe from, from love. And Mm -hmm. I was just praying that God's love somehow through someone, um, or something would really grab hold of her. But <clears throat> so much of prayer um, during that time was, really, you know, a lot of it was just hanging on and just, just hanging on to him again. So uh, there's no, there's no one prayer you can say, you know, but, but man, I'll tell you, there is, you're constantly in prayer because that's something you want to say, yeah. Lord, may it happen. Yeah, amen. Well, last time I think Carrie was saying that the the, the world, the, the culture was pretty enticing. And a lot of child-rearing professionals have always said, you know, despite you know, an enticing culture, a parent's influence is still the most powerful influence on the life of a teen or a child. So, Carrie, in, in, in light of the insanity of our, of, you know, today's America, uh, where the culture and indoctrinational tools of smartphones are now in the hands of virtually every kid, do you think this is still true, that parents, uh, even over their, their 300 social media friends, are still the most influential component in a kid's life? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that's still true. And, our, you know, parents' voices matter. Mm-hmm. And also how we handle some of these complex issues matter. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that your kid is going to make all the right choices or, you know, not have to go through a journey where they figure some things out on their own. But absolutely, I mean, as much as things have changed, parental influence is still, you know, one of the biggest factors in terms of, of you know, development and growth and acceptance mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah, I hope parents are, are hearing that. Um, John, you know, you you talked about, or Carrie had talked about, she knew that she had someone that was crazy about her. And you did a lot of things, uh, I would consider bending over backwards to make that thing work. Did you ever feel... Uh, like you were taken advantage of? Mm. Well, um, it's easy sometimes to think that effort should equal, you know, A should equal B. Man, I'm doing A, so (laughs) B should happen, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really didn't because, you know, again, I think part of it was I was so broken as a kid and just that sense of, um, knowing that I had a grandmother that never gave up on me. I had a mom that never gave up on me, um, even when I was a, a total mess. And then when I began to change, uh, there wasn't the, uh, well, see, I told you kind of a thing. So you were, there was the freedom to come home, you know, that type of a thing. So no, I, I didn't struggle so much with that. The thing that I struggled with was just anger, you know, with a guy, I was, I'm an old, uh, really old now athlete. And you, you just, oh my gosh, you know, I, I felt like I was failing as a father in so many ways to protect my kid or to, you know, why couldn't have I have stepped in? And so the, you know, there's that anger at yourself. That's of course, depression when it turns anger turned inwards. Um, and then, you know, just, okay, Lord, uh, you know, I had to, you know, be like David in the Psalms, you know, and say, you know, this, why do the right, why, why, 
you know, to the wicked, you know, do, why are they doing well? Why are they prospering? And I knew they weren't prospering in a, in a, you know, uh, monetary sense, but Lord, why, why are you letting them get away with this? So then I had to just keep coming back to, you know, to truth and, and, and reality. But all the things that we're saying, I think to so many parents is, is, you know, just, man, I wish we could just stop right now, go give them a hug and uh, look them in the eye and say, I don't have all the answers. Uh, Carrie doesn't have all the answers. Mm. Uh, Jesus does. And, uh, and it's so helpful to, I think, to, you know, we're, we're not alone because so many parents, um, we're, we're actually in a small group with, with uh, six different parents. And I don't think anybody would mind me saying this, but, but they almost when we do prayer times, every time there's two families in there are two couples, you know, and they have ha they have zero contact with their kids. And it's been that way for probably 20 plus years. Mm. Ouch. And guess what the guess what the every week in our small group, every week, it comes down to the prayer time. And every week, you know, it's just pray God opens the door. And pray God opens the door. So this is, you know, these. Th this is a big challenge for a lot of people. But again, we have a big God for that too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I understand free will and free choice, but can uh, can you think of anything, Carrie, that your parents could have said or done that would have prevented the rebellious season that you experienced? Anything at all? Um, honestly, no. And and I'm glad you asked that because I mean, you know, Dad, I, I know you expressed that you felt like you had failed, but I mean, the reality was is those were my choices. And, you know, as an adult, I, it's not like I was letting you guys into that process or letting you have a say in that process. And there's only so much you can do once your kids are adults and are out on their own. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I can totally understand from a parental perspective how that feels like, well, I, I wasn't able to step in and help or protect, but it really wasn't you. Those, those were my choices. Um, and I, you know, I've, I, I get asked that a lot. I mean, no, I, I don't think there's anything that they could have done other than what they did. And that really came down to me needing to figure out who God was for myself. And if I believed that was true and um, choose to make choices that actually led to health and abundance as opposed to destruction. Mm -hmm. So many of the kids that come to Shepherd's Hill, and almost all of them, will say they hated their parents. Um, I have a feeling you never hated your parents. I mean, we definitely had some moments in our teenage years where I hated the discipline. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hated things that they said no to. Um, I hated, you know, and that I'm sure that came out as I hate you as opposed to I hate what you just did. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't like peace and harmony all the time in our, in our home either, but no, I mean, at the end of the day, I always knew that they loved me, uh, whether it was they were disappointing me or, you know, not. I, I At the end of the day, I knew that they loved me. Yeah. Well, John, I have a daughter uh, who was a strong-willed child as a teenager, um, and now I get notes on the, on the steering wheel of my car or my, my desk, just dip random places. Dad, you know, thank you for not letting me do this. Dad, thank you for making me do it. Dad, I think there was a time I hated you. I think a lot of parents are really afraid to be hated. And I just want to ask you, is it okay for a parent to be hated for a season while Junior's still living at home? 
Well, you know, we have that deep need for acceptance. And, and boy, mm-hmm. with a kid, it's amazing how even a three-year-old will begin to push you around. You know? <laughs> but, uh, Carrie, tell, tell them about the book you wrote uh, to mom. Yeah, when, uh, you know, I think my mom and I definitely butted heads quite a bit more than my dad and I did, mainly because she was the at-home disciplinarian for the most part. Um, and so when I turned 30, I wrote her a book called You Were Right. Ah. And I listed out as many things as I could that she was right about. And <laughs> I probably could still keep writing that book because uh, it kind of doesn't end. But wow. I, I do think at some point there is, uh, Lord willing, that awareness of, wow, my parents actually knew what they were talking about. And I'm so thankful that they shared what they did and did what they did, even if it wasn't fun in the moment. Yeah, he wrote a book about it too. (laughs) John, I I really respect your approach to the subject. I mean, we've had a number of prominent Christians, uh, people I'm sure you would know, uh, bring their kids to Shepherd's Hill, and and they they tend to want to cover up from their friends, their church, the public. Uh, You chose a different route. Um, How did you (laughs) resist the urge to cover things up? Um, wow. You know, it is interesting that uh, we talk about this thing called image management, you know, versus authentic living. And uh, what an image manager does is now, you know, think about Saul in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, ends up uh, sacrificing when he shouldn't have and then lying about it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the prophet turns away from him and he grabs his robe and tears it. And he goes, well, you've torn the kingdom uh, out of your, you know, from, from yourself. And he goes, wait, okay, okay. All right. All right. But do me one more favor. <laughs> he goes, walk back with me. So it looks like everything's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do see that so much where you think you can kind of cover things up. Um, but I, I just think, you know, part of, I, I'm stuck in James right now. I'm in a, uh, study in James and man, you keep running into humility, humility. Mm. And, uh, but, but I, I, and I hate to keep saying this, but man, when you know you're forgiven for much, it's, it's just easier to forgive. And, um, uh, again, I did have some really great models, uh, Chuck Swindoll, I mentioned, and some people early in my life where they were the real deal, man. And you could yeah. just, you could just tell that they weren't faking it, but it just doesn't, you just can't cover it up and it's okay to hurt. It's okay to yeah. trust God. Wow. Well, John and Carrie, thank you so much for spending another day with us. This conversation has just been so encouraging to our hearts. And I know to many parents who are dealing with prodigals and walking through that valley. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Great to be with you. It's been a blessing. Our guests today have been Dr. John Trent and his daughter, Carrie Trent Stageberg. They've been talking about prodigals and how to encourage parents of prodigals. John and Carrie's book is The Blessing, Giving the Gift of Unconditional Love and Acceptance. And you can find more information on them, their book, and their ministry at strongfamilies.com. That's strongfamilies.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Trace Embry is the host of Licensed to Parent and also the founder and director of Shepherds Hill Academy, a residential treatment facility for troubled teens. To learn more, visit licensedtoparent.org. And we are continuing to work on our campus here at Shepherds Hill, making things easier around here for our students and the teachers. 
Would you consider helping us in this effort? A donation of any amount would help us tremendously. You can donate online at licensedaparent.org. Just click the donate button. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.